Hi, friends. Welcome to the Edge of Fear podcast, hosted by Liz Basil Lewison at Liz Without a Pillow. Each week, I'll be bringing you some different insights, lessons, and laughs with an end goal of a more empowered and authentically happier human race. Everybody's got a story, and everybody's story is important. Let's do this. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Fear podcast. I am super excited about tonight's episode. I've got one of my best friends from childhood. I have known Kelly since we were like actually literally in the womb um, (laughs) because her dad and my uncle worked together um, on the fire department. So we have known each other since our mothers were pregnant before we were even born. And then we grew up together playing soccer together. We have inside jokes from like age 10 on. Um, and I have been very inspired by you kind of just overcoming hardship. Um, and I was really excited to reach out to you to have you on the show tonight. Um, and so I'm so excited for having you here tonight. I keep saying tonight. I'm, I'm so excited tonight, today. I'm very excited. Um, I love you so much, Kel. Will you introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. I'm Kelly. Um, like Liz said, known her since before I feel like I knew myself, but <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. Uh, it's really an honor to be with you, Liz. You have created such a network of inspiration for me personally, and I know you've touched so many other people, so this is this is awesome. I'm really excited. Thanks so much, Cal. Um, So what are you up to these days? So I recently moved down to Virginia um, with my husband, Scott. I'm currently a registered nurse in a ICU down here in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, Fighting that COVID fight every day, unfortunately, but it's, uh, it's going really well. Being safe, keeping it real down here. (laughs) yeah I like not that I ever forget that you're an RN now but it's just so interesting to be like in communication with people on different ends of the spectrum um like you've been in the hospitals and you know uh I, I know people who work in morgues and are like, we're shuttling bodies at the beginning of COVID um, and like police officers and a lot of like frontline workers at the beginning of this, you know? Um, so yeah, this, this has been a hell of a year to really highlight all the hardships that we've all gone through. Yeah, and I, I'm, a, I'm a new grad too. This is my first job ever as a nurse. So literally three days after I got off orientation, COVID hit. It has been scary, but it's been a lot of learning lessons. And, you know, it's gotten to the point where it's, it's kind of an honor to, to be in this field at this time. Um, you see a lot going on. You see a lot of people sick, but, you know, it's, it's really gratifying to help those that are in need and, and see the ones that do make it through. You know, it's, it's so interesting that you mentioned that. Like, I, I remember feeling that way with Hurricane Sandy because I had just gotten out of my training with the Army. If you remember in 2012, I did six months straight basic training and then advanced individual training. And then like a month or two after I got out, actually, I had my graduation party. You and Scott, I believe, were in attendance um, that summer at my parents' house. And then um, I got called for Hurricane Sandy. And even though I had just completed my training and I was like a new graduate to the, to the army, um, there was really no point in my schooling for the military that I was like, I am so proud of this. You know, a couple of times I was like, wow, this is like a, this is a prideful moment. You know, this is exciting and I'm excited to do this, but it wasn't until you're like, boots on ground, you know, or in the field and you're actually saving people's lives or you're actually, I mean, in, in our case, we were like helping people whose entire livelihoods were taken from them, from the hurricane. Um, you know, their entire home was like taken out and on the front lawn or they they had flooding up to the ceiling, you know? And there was just such pride in that. And I think even though Virginia didn't get the same hit as New York, everybody got hit by this COVID wave. Like, oh, Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, it's worse here than there. Um, but in reality, everybody is, is hit the same amount when it comes to you as an individual being sick and your loved ones can't come see you. You know, these people are dying without anybody around them and we're the only ones there to be, you know, with them at their most, um, you know, vulnerable time and their most, you know, sick time of their life. It's scary for them and it's scary for the family. And that's one thing that across the board won't change when it comes to being in healthcare during this COVID time. It's, it's scary and it's, you know, it's challenging, but it's not something that, you know, we can't get through eventually and you know you really just don't have any choice you gotta take it one day at a time and and that's really it you know yeah i was um totally true i i I had kind of a moment you just opened something up for me um earlier today where i was just thinking about how and what you just said what you just shared um you know, people who are like dying at the beginning of this disease when we're not letting our like families come into the hospital at all. And it's, it's your most, I I can't imagine a scarier moment than like knowing that the end is right there, you know? And so it really doesn't matter how many people are in the hospital. It doesn't really matter how many nurses are there um, or doctors or anything. It's just like having somebody there so that you're not alone. I think I, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to die at all. I have no idea. Um, and I had this moment, I did another recording this morning um, with this girl, Sherry, and something that she said just really resonated with me. And I was just picturing, you know, strangers. It was almost like a montage in my brain of like people like going through hardships and how their family and like immediate close circles are, are the only people there and they're going about their business and they, you know, go to work and nobody at work even knows that anything is wrong, you know, and it's only those people that are with you in those intimate moments that have any clue what you're going through at all, because we generally don't share, you know, a lot of these details. Um, But what an intimate thing that you, have to share with you know with strangers and family and friends alike um and we could we could talk about this for a while but i think it's a good segue (laughs) um into kind of what we wanted to talk about which is like you know how your hardships and everybody's hardship kind of teaches resilience and teaches you how to get through life and if we want to just survive life or if we're going to, you know, really like thrive and make our life our own, really own it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hardships are inevitable, you know, you can't control them. You can't see them coming. Um, and that's one thing that people always ask me, you know, how, how did you make it through? how did you survive after your mom died? And it's like, it, it's not a conscious decision to just say, okay, I'm either going to, get through it and make the best of it or I'm not it's you literally have no choice but to get through it and it's it's a challenge but you know if you look hard enough throughout your whole life you're constantly being challenged and you're constantly working your way up to be prepared for big moments like that that could crush you you know it's it's very easy to collapse in those times of of hardship but you know, the reality is you are prepared for it. Life will never give you more than what you can handle. You know, you, you, you need that in that moment for whatever reason it is. And it's hard to see it in that moment, obviously. Um, I didn't see it at that time, but years later, I'm, you know, it's easy to reflect back now and say, wow, that kind of helped me in so many ways that I probably would have never pushed myself um, had I not gone through everything that I went through at that time. Yeah, I see this as like a constant theme that like life throws these lessons at you that you need to learn, like when you need to learn them and it keeps throwing those lessons until you learn them. Um, And it doesn't really make sense while you're going through it. It's kind of this like, why is this happening to me? Like, what did I do to deserve this? And you like question everything. But when you look back on it, like our greatest struggle is so often like, our, you know, our Everest, like the mountain that we need to climb to overcome to get to the next best thing. And, you know, the struggle, 
I just, it all makes sense looking back at it, no matter how much it doesn't make any sense while it's happening. Uh, and I think that's, you know, such a common thread for everyone. I feel like it's a theme currently that I keep having to relearn currently. Like, what does this lesson mean? Why is this showing up again in your life? Um, but it's because I'm like pretending that I don't need to heal that part of me, pretending that it's not like a real clear message that like, this is, you know, this is a body image thing again. Like this is happening, this is coming up again because you're not totally through it. Like you thought you were through it, but you're not. So here it is. Right. And like you said, you can try and run away from it as much as you want, but it will eventually catch up. It'll keep coming back. It'll keep reminding you and it, you'll eventually have no choice but to do whatever it is, whether it's slowly over time you change or realize those, you know, were lessons that you can learn from, or if it's just an epiphany one day, like, oh shit, like this all happened for a reason. Like, look where I am now. I had no idea that this was even possible, you know? Yeah. And, and it, it is very much that way for some people. It's like a, a very clear, like message from the universe or a very clear message from God or a very clear message that comes through in prayer or in meditation or, or from a messenger in your sleep, like a spirit, you know? And then for other people, it literally just takes years of intentional work and healing. And it's, it's not, a cookie cutter way of solving anything. there's no definite way that this will work to help you through your hardship. Um, it doesn't work the same for everybody. It's different for everybody. Um, but I wanna rewind it a little bit now that we have started at the beginning and worked our way backwards as nobody planned. Um, <laughs> uh, but so I wanna give listeners a little bit more on the specifics, kind of whatever you feel comfortable sharing, but just so that they have a little bit of a better idea about your mom's illness and her passing and kind of what happened from there. All right, so basically um, my mom was sick my whole life. And again, this is something I didn't even realize as it was happening. It wasn't until after she passed away that my dad turned to me and he was like, you know, I feel bad for you. You never really knew your mom totally healthy. And I looked at him like, what are you talking about? Mom, mom was always around. She was at my soccer games. She was, you know, here and there. And, and it didn't really register until after she passed away that, you know, from the age of five, she, when I was five, she actually was supposed to die. Then she had um, severe ulcerative colitis. And this is back in the early nineties when we didn't have the modern technology that we have today. So back then doing, you know, a total resection of your large intestine was pretty new. Um, you know, she ignored the signs for way too long and that was her only option at that point was to get everything removed. And um, at that point, that was a very, very new surgery. And she ended up needing about six surgeries. I mean, six, very intense, very um, um, invasive, debilitating, invasive oh God, yeah. in three months. And she just kept getting infection after infection after infection. Her body rejected everything that they tried giving her. And it got to the point where she had to get shipped out to Cleveland Clinic in Ohio so that the surgeon who invented the surgery could actually perform it on her. And that was their last shot, really. Um, and again, you know, my parents did a great job of not really letting it affect us kids at that point. I'm the youngest of three. And at that point I was five. So, you know, my brother being 10 and us three kids in one household while mom's doing all of that and going through everything. And then once she had to go out to Ohio, my dad went with her. We didn't see either of them for a good month, month and a half. Um, but again, it's, it's something that I didn't even recognize until years later and you know I, I admire my mom so much for having that capacity to be able to come back after all those surgeries and still be a mom and still be involved with you know like I said all her children's sports games and and proms and you know for years she was still involved in everything that we did um, even though she was still dealing with the residuals of that surgery and then you know, in 10th grade, she got diagnosed with breast cancer for the first time, battled that. Um, again, 
was was with me at my prom, watched me graduate. You would never think that she was battling the battles that she had to go through. And you know, when she got diagnosed a second time, um, you know, with the metastatic breast cancer, and it it came back with a vengeance. It was it was still so inspiring to see her know that she was going to die and still didn't let that get in the way of experiencing life and still learning lessons and still you know teaching us lessons it was it was really amazing to watch and inspiring to see somebody go through so much for her whole life since she was 32 years old till she passed away at 55 that woman never had a full week of being completely healthy and you would never know it. She is obviously my biggest inspiration and, and the one woman that I've learned almost everything from. And, and it's kind of crazy to even think that I still learned from her after she passed away because that's exactly what happened. She passed away and I was able to reflect back on all of these scenarios since I was five years old. And I was like, Jesus, how the hell did she do it? You know, and, I'm, and it's all one giant lesson, you know, a whole bunch of little lessons leading up to one big one in the end. And it's kind of amazing how life works. And it's sad that to go through that and to watch her suffer towards the end and for her to leave. But it's kind of crazy to see how much I've grown since then, just from learning how to be resilient from her and how to continue to push through even when things aren't comfortable and when things don't go your way and that goes back to what we were saying earlier you know you don't have a choice you don't consciously wake up and say okay mom's gonna die today and i'm gonna have to just grow up become independent become self-sufficient you know it doesn't work like that you just don't have a choice in the grand scheme of things you just learn and you wake up and you do the best that you can and you'd be amazed to see the growth that you achieve after you overcome something like that it's it really is amazing yeah it it puts you to the test and i mean i i've experienced death before in my family but i i can only imagine you know what it's like when it's just really in your household, when it's really your every single day, your mom. Um, I remember your mom getting diagnosed in like, was that 2005, 10th grade? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, or early 2004. Um, and because, I mean, we were together every day, soccer, basketball, and lacrosse. So, you know, and I was at your house, like, more often than I was at my own house. Um, and I remember, I mean, I had no idea that she had ever been sick before that. I don't know if you ever shared that with us or if you didn't really learn about her being sick when we were kids um, until later. But I just remember that was really my first, um, that was really my first time seeing anybody sick and and seeing, you know, the way the family like kind of comes together and also like, has to deal with this really hard thing together and has to figure out how to, in addition to just getting by in life and not wanting to kill each other like we do in a family, you know, on any other regular day, you now also have to like deal with this like very intense thing. And, you know, it's like you said, it's not like you wake up one day and you know that this is gonna be your last breath. Like you, you don't know, you just know that you're like, you know, working to survive. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful to have known your mom and to have, you know, had as many wonderful years as we did. And I mean, she threw a hell of a party, Christmas party for freaking 10 years that I went to at least at your house. Um, and, you know, your parents just always had such life around them and such a community around them um and your mom really was just an incredible woman and and such such a powerful independent um you know and and really just incredibly inspiring woman um and so it's it's interesting that you know we're going through our teenage years and and really have no idea the fragility of life and we really have no idea of like what that means to like not see your life played out but like when you reflect back on it 
those lessons start to like come to fruition for you. Right. Right. And, and that's just her illness. That's just the, you know, the tip of the iceberg, you know, then she's taking, you know, helping raise my niece at that time, who was only a few years old, you know, watching my father go through nine 11 while she was sick, you know, it was, it was still so much more than that. And it's, it's easy for everyone to just think, oh, she, she was sick. That's a lot for you to deal with. And it is, it's, it's a lot, but you know, it just kept going and going and going. And that's, that's really where the resilience in my family comes from. We, we have gone through hardship for years on end and there's no other way to get through it except to stick with each other, support each other and don't give up. You can't, you cannot give up. You can't stop fighting the fight. And if you do, like we said earlier, another sign will come. It, it won't go away. You can only fight it for so long. Eventually you will get through it. Eventually you will see the light at the end of the tunnel. You will have that aha moment. Like this is what it was all for. This is what I can learn from it. And this is how I can become a, a better person because of what I went through. Right. Um, uh, I'm thinking about you know, all of those other things that were going on, like, and how life doesn't get easier. And mom's just like steadfast, hold strong, got the kids on all arms, you know, and like power fucking through. Like, seriously, moms are superheroes. I don't know how they do it at all. Um, you shout, were, out <laughs> shout out to all the moms. <laughs> um, bless up. But like you were sharing with me, and I'd love for you to share with, uh, you know, with anybody listening, um, but about how, you know, your dad was in 9-11. It just like, you know, again, like opens up a lot for me on like everything that my parents ever lied to us about to protect us, you know, because they were just, you know, they, they didn't know better. Like, how do you know, how, how does one parent? I just don't know. I don't get it. But yeah, share with us about 9-11. <laughs> Yeah, so my dad um, had been in the fire department of New York since he was 21, I think, um, maybe even younger. And during 9-11, he was a battalion chief in the FDNY. He obviously went right in to, you know, help out and respond to the 9-11 call. Coincidentally, I don't know if you know this either, I, I don't know many people, but he was actually supposed to be working that day and somebody else had requested he change shifts with them um, so that they can go on vacation or something. So thankfully he switched shifts. Otherwise this might've been a different outcome, but, um, you know, he, he obviously didn't ask or do, tell my mom. He just went, he heard and he went. And this is the time where cell phones were just starting to come around. It wasn't really, you know, what it is today. Um, and apparently we didn't hear from him for about two or three days. Um, my mom had no idea where he was, what condition he was in, if he was alive, if he was dead, if he was accounted for, if he was missing. Um, she had no idea where he was or, or what condition he was in and she didn't let it show. I had no idea that this was going on until after my mom passed away. You know, it was, like you said, they're trying to help us. They're trying to protect us. And thank God she did at that point because, you know, we were what, in seventh grade at that time? Mm -hmm. How was anybody at 12, 13 years old supposed to handle or even conceptualize the idea of a terror attack nonetheless? But now dad's missing. We don't know where he is. He could not come home. He might come home, you know? And then he just ended up staying there. He unfortunately got injured, but um, he stayed and he, you know, being the creed of the FCNY, they are a brotherhood. He refused to leave. He refused to walk away from ground zero without every single bit of debris and every person accounted for that he possibly could. Um, so he ended up staying at ground zero for four months. Um, you know, sleeping wherever he could, didn't really come home, didn't see him. And at that point, um, you know, my family and my father, he was in construction for 
his whole life prior to joining the FBNY. So any projects we did at home, we did ourselves. You know, they instilled hard work and um, self-sufficiency from an early age. And my parents decided to um, renovate the house right before 9-11 hit. And it was a, a family work site. Our entire first floor was gutted. We were redoing the kitchen and taking over the garage. So we were without electric. We were without power downstairs. We were without a stove, a refrigerator for that entire winter. And not once did I hear my mom complain. Not once did my mom say, you know, like you were saying before, why me? Why us? Why did this have to happen? Why, why couldn't we have started this renovation after 9-11? Why, you know, and of course, just like I was saying earlier, she, how is she supposed to know? You don't wake up and say, okay, well, 9-11 is going to happen on September 11th. So let's hold renovations until, you know, like life doesn't work like that. But she was so beyond strong during those months. And I, again, didn't appreciate it at that time, didn't recognize it at that time. But looking back, it's, it's like, holy shit, how did this woman go through so much throughout her whole life and still be so sane and so nice and so positive and so just amazing? You know, it's, there's really no words to, to describe what kind of person that is, but it goes back to resiliency. It goes back to you know, that those strong family ties and just not giving up and doing what's best for yourself and your family and, and just powering through. Yeah. I mean, she was just still like such like this cool mom who was like down to earth. I'm like, there were rules and we fucking knew when we were breaking them. <laughs> and I will never forget being scolded by your mom. That's how we tried to <laughs> go to Maryland. Pop a train to go to Maryland. <laughs> oh my God. That's exactly what I was just thinking too. I will never forget that day. But she had her rules and we knew when we were breaking them. And she was always willing to like have a real conversation with us about why this is a rule and why this is important for us to learn it. And, you know, it was, it's really so amazing how fucking powerful women are and we just like don't tap into it. And it, you know, this is, <clears throat> this is so hard to talk about, but also like very eye opening because it, how often is it that like somebody means something to you and you know, like a good friend from college or a good friend from your childhood or somebody that you was only in your life for a season, you know, and you just never really got to tell them that like, hey, I learned these lessons for, from you or like, hey, I learned how to be a better friend from you or like, you really opened my eyes to this. And like, I, like, it's, we don't tell each other these things enough, you know, and we don't, we don't appreciate life enough. Um, and women, like what that I think translates to me in this moment is like, we don't appreciate ourselves enough. And like, we as women are so fucking powerful and have so much wisdom inside of us that like, I keep, I keep like joking, like, how do you parent? How do you mother? Like, I fucking love kids. I've been working with kids for 10 years. I still know I'm going to question every single decision I make if I, you know, choose to have children in the future. But like, we have it. We have it. And guys do too, honestly. Like, we all have this inner wisdom and we just don't trust it. We spend so much of our life just fighting from life and trying to manipulate the way life turns out. And if we would just like trust that who we are is enough, like, we are enough and we are so powerful. Yeah, it's kind of sad of how hard that is. It's so easy for us to tell somebody else, oh, you're doing such a great job, you're, you know, but why is it so difficult for us to internalize that and to reflect on our own? Like, you know what? You just did this. You just overcame your biggest fear. You just save someone's life. You just, you know, it's so difficult to do that. And I think that's why it's really hard. I mean, really important for us to have each other and to build each other up because I think slowly over time, those things kind of do build up internally and you do start to trust yourself and you do start to realize, Hey, I 
I did overcome this. I did, you know, achieve this. I did make an impact and this feels amazing. And I did a good job. Yeah. And like celebrating those wins, like celebrating a little bit, even if it's just a tiny celebration, celebrating that win, celebrating that, you know, that fear that you overcame or that, that little battle that you had, because in the moment, every one of those battles feels like so hard. And when you get over it, we kind of are just like, phew, another day, you know, there's no like, yes, I did it. Like imagine if we really like celebrated like the way that children do, like every time we, you know, finished a workout or like made ourselves a healthy meal, like did something that was good for us. Like imagine how much happier the world would be if we celebrated. Yeah, that is true. It is true. But I mean, I, I don't know. That would be amazing. And I don't know how to even start something like that. But <laughs> it starts with when loving yourself. Now, when I'm by myself in like a COVID room or something I'm, and I have a win, I'm just going to think to myself, I'm going to picture you yeah. freaking out like a little kid. <laughs> yeah, you did it. You did it. <laughs> Um, yeah, it starts with loving yourself and it starts with trusting yourself and it starts with, you know, I think giving yourself like little small things that are attainable, like small measurable goals, smart goals and, and building trust in yourself and, and that positive self-talk and really, you know, consciously realizing when you are being negative towards yourself or when you're telling yourself that you can't get through this or why me or playing the victim or whatever. I think, you know, you can't, um, I'm, I'm like having the same conversation and like all of my recordings. Now I realize I'm about to make, do the same quote, but nobody listens to all of them. So it's fine. Um, <laughs> but you can't, think your way into acting right, but you can act your way into thinking right. And so just like starting with like positive self-talk and starting with, you know, these small actionable items and just doing what you know is right for you. Because again, like our body knows, like our soul knows what it means, but we have just been so conditioned to not trust ourselves that it's like, I don't know, maybe I should read a book about this first, or like, maybe let me look this up online. And like, if we just trusted ourselves, like, it would feel so good to celebrate. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I keep thinking about this. I'm, I'm going to start just yelling <laughs> up, upon celebration. <laughs> and like, as far as positive self-talk and things like that, I, I, I personally find a lot of that has to also include self-forgiveness. You know, it's okay oh, yes. to set up those things are there for a reason you learn from them but you also need to be able to forgive yourself and I think that also slowly leads to the positivity behind everything you know you if if you don't forgive yourself for making a mistake it's easy to never get in the mindset of being positive with yourself oh god yeah and like you just we judge some we judge others so much more harshly when we haven't forgiven ourselves because how could we possibly forgive somebody else if we can't forgive ourselves and so often the things that we criticize in others are things that we don't like about ourselves like the things that i dislike about my father are the things that i am of my father <laughs> i'm like are you listening to me? And then I realize and I like self-reflect and I'm like, that's what I do when like, when I think what I have to say is more important than someone else. Like I do that. I'm not really listening and I'm just waiting to say what I'm going to say. And it's been something that I've worked on for a long time now since realizing that I do that. Um, but yeah, like forgiving, forgive yourself, forgive the world, the world, you know, no one's out to get you we all are going to be dealt a hand and we all have to, you know, we either get through it or we don't. And I mean, nobody gets out alive, right? So try and get through it as, you know, as joyfully as you can. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt that way with um, PA school. You know, I had tried to go for physician assistant programs for four years and I just kept getting waitlisted and waitlisted. And at that point, it was right after my mom passed away. And it was so easy for me to 
like you said, blame the world. Why, why is this so shitty for me right now? Why is everybody else able to do exactly what they want to do when they want to do it? And I, everything just in my life seems to go to shit and I can't get anything that I want. And now I am married. I just bought a house. I just, you know, I'm an ICU nurse. I'm happy that it turned out this way to a degree, you know, and, and had I had that mindset back five years ago, six years ago, when I was trying to be a PA, I would have never, I would have never listened to you. I would have still been that stubborn person to say, no, that I don't want to be a nurse. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And it's, it's really easy to have that mindset and to not trust the universe and not trust why things are or are not working out in your favor. And, and that's actually not what it is. You think it's not in your favor, but in reality, down the road, hopefully you realize that it, it was all for a reason and it was in your favor in the long run. Right. It's that like, life doesn't happen to me. Life happens for me, you know? And like, we, we really do think that, that like, this is, this is happening to me. Why is this happening to me? I can't believe this happened to me when in reality, like every closed door is like, you know, leading you to the next open door, to the next chapter. Like it's, it's really, it's, it's really crazy. Life is crazy. Life is very crazy. Um, it's amazing. I, I want to talk a little bit about, um, what kind of empowered you to go to um, Pennsylvania when PA school wasn't working out? Because that's when that kind of choice happened, right? Was, is that around the time that you decided to leave New York? Yeah, so um, I was pretty reluctant to apply to nursing schools because like I said, I was so convinced that that's not what I wanted to do. Um, my brother was living out in Pennsylvania at the time doing his uh, residency, he's a spinal surgeon, um, and his program offered a nursing program as well. And at that point, I just, you know, dealing a lot at home with, unfortunately, my dad, it was just my, myself and my father at home after my mom passed away. And, you know, he got into a lot of drinking. It was, it was difficult for me to watch and for me to take care of him. And getting denied, school after school after school with physician assistant programs, it kind of was just a point in my head where I was like, this, this is a, a brick wall. You know, there's a reason why this is not opening up for me. Um, I only applied to that one nursing school out in Pennsylvania. If I, I said, if I'm going to not go where I want to go, which was, you know, PA school at that time, I'm going to still stay within the healthcare field. I know for sure that's what I want to do. Um, and unfortunately, at that point, my now husband and I were broken up and I was so upset about it. And my dad kind of turned to me at one point and he was like, don't worry, you know, you'll find another guy to take care of you. And I just got so offended at that <laughs> point I was like how dare you you know like I don't I don't need a man to take care of me that's not the problem here you know <laughs> tell me that I can't live life and support myself and be independent and I think that kind of was just the fire that came under me and I was like you know what I'm I'm leaving New York this is time you know I, I can't spend the rest of my life taking care of my father and worrying about him I need to move on for myself and it was a good transition to Pennsylvania it was still close to, to New York where I can go home my brother was in Pennsylvania so I had family there um, but it was still a huge leap for me to leave my father to leave my my childhood home where I had just lost my mom to you know, pick up and leave my, my boyfriend, you know, my ex-boyfriend and just start fresh. It was hard, but it was so necessary. And thank God my dad said something to me like that, because it really just put me in high gear and made me zero in on what I wanted and what I needed at that point. And it wasn't about the career at that moment. It was 
getting to a point of independence and being on my own and starting a new chapter of my life for me and not for anybody else. And for those of you who don't know, like I said, we're now married and in Virginia. So it was a good, it was all worked out in the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so often that you just need like a little break. You also just need like a little clarity on what it is that you really want. And sometimes I think it's hard to see that, you know, under when you're when you're in it with somebody all the way and you're like, you're in it with Scott and you're with your dad and you're home and there's all this sadness still like surrounding it. Like it's hard to even like, like quiet your mind enough to get clear on what it is that you even want anymore. You know, there's so much like that you're holding on to. There's so much baggage. There's so much weight there. Oh, absolutely. Even the, you know, the first two semesters of nursing school, I was still so angry with not getting into PA school. <laughs> <laughs> really holding on to that. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I don't want to be here. And I think a lot of it was just the um, anger of denial and, you know, getting declined and feel not feeling good enough. But it took me a good maybe year and a half to realize, you know, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. Thank God it worked out this way. You know, had I gone to PA school, I probably would have not married Scott because I would have had to go farther away out of state. Um, and I, it, it was my own stubbornness that just kept me miserable for that long. It Had I opened up and realized what a blessing it really was at that time, it would have been a lot easier and I would have been able to overcome that anger and frustration a lot earlier. But again, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. I, there's no way for me to know it. I took it as it came. Could I have handled it better? Could I have realized it sooner? Yeah. But, um, that's not the way that I did it. And I eventually got to where I needed to be. I eventually got into the mindset of realizing that it was all for a reason and that, you know, you can't, you can only fight it for so long. I, you know, had I realized the first two cycles of PE school getting denied and getting waitlisted, you know, then it would have been a lot easier for me to handle in the long run maybe, but I just was so sure that that's what I wanted to do. And I just kept ignoring all the signs and eventually I, I caved and eventually it was exactly what I needed to do in the right moment. And thank God. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we get this like picture in our head, you know, and whether it's like the dream from your childhood or your dream from high school or college or your dream from, you know, quitting your first job. And it's like, this is how life is going to go now. And like, we think that we have any control over it. And like, we don't, we really don't. So like, just because you, I mean, it like, it also goes against like so much of what we've been taught. Like if you work hard enough or if you want it bad enough, like you can do anything. But like when the universe is pointing you in a different direction, that is not what is meant for you. Something else is meant for you. And like we are, it's, it's not just you, it's all of us. We get stubborn, you know, in wanting what we can have. And sometimes it's a good motivator. Like for example, like your dad saying, like, you'll just have another, like sometimes, you know, hearing what you don't want to hear is a good motivator, but ultimately like that, that was a motivator for you in the right direction because you started working towards this goal and then Scott came back anyway, because you and Scott are a perfect fucking pair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but. <laughs> Um, you know, it's so interesting the way that our, our moms, no matter what their relationship with, you know, our dads were, or like, I guess moms in general, like no matter what they're going through in life, like, I guess also not every mother, I'm certain there are lots of mothers that don't do this, but lots of mothers, like no matter what is going on in their life. Um, and this kind of like brings me to another point about like women just kind of like 
getting through it and pushing through it and like why like our generation has such an opportunity to like change that and like settle down you know within ourselves and like find peace within ourselves and follow our own you know individual and not just relationship dreams um but like no matter what like we were just the number one priority it was like the kids you know the kids health and well-being and their health and well-being was like so secondary like i think of you know the nights that my mom just didn't sleep because she was like helping us with the project and then she had to go to work and then you know my mom was getting her master's while i was in i don't know high school or college i guess yeah, high school yeah and like so she would be like helping us with our homework and then stay up for another three hours like with her own homework and then go to work for a full-time job like at, like at what point mom did you sleep like at what point did you like like get to do any rest at all like relax recover i mean it, it really does feel like you know a torch has been passed to us as a whole as a generation to change the way that we parent because i don't necessarily believe that that's the way the only way to do it you know obviously we've learned so much from our parents whether it's things that you want to do or things that you don't want to do or some combination you know our first glimpse of life is the way that our parents you know relate to us and and parents us and relate to each other and and relate to the world um but for all the good that they did i i want to leave a legacy you know and i you've you've talked about you know wanting to turn your experience into you know something in writing and and really share this story and and i do i want to leave a legacy like with all these other like beautiful wonderful empowering and inspiring women we have such an opportunity to create a more loving and forgiving next generation where you know we allow ourselves to make mistakes and we allow ourselves to to rest when we're tired you know and to let somebody else kind of take the reins for a little bit like we don't have to do all of it all the time we can make time for ourselves right right but knowing us women that's very difficult but i agree and i think you're starting you know you you want this legacy and people think legacy means your your personal next generation but it's not i mean you're already starting this this podcast in itself is already helping so many people change themselves and change the way that people think of themselves and think of life and think of the world and i think i think you specifically are already making a change and making a difference in other people's lives. And it's only going to be a chain reaction from there. You know, we are creatures of spreading education and something that we know and you might not know. And I think that anybody who listens to your podcast or any of your um, inspirational posts or any, you know, anything that you are putting up lately, I really think that it's making a big difference across the board. Well, thank you, Kelly. I definitely, you know, I, I still have moments where I'm like, nobody's even looking at these. Like, what is, why sometimes I get a hundred something views in a half an hour and sometimes the fucking algorithm, why did I only get 30 views on this? I'm like, fuck Instagram, this is so not worth my time. <laughs> but like, I just really, I, I, I so believe that everybody's story really is worth sharing. And every single person that I talk to ever, I'm like, wow, I look at this differently now, you know? And I think if we could all take a little something from everybody that we meet and, and really just humanize each other, um, that, you know, we could really be looking at a more conscious and, and fuller future. Um, because what do what did our parents want for us other than to be happy you know and if we all had a little bit more love if we all had a little bit more hippie in us <laughs> i think there would be more love oh uh, why were we not born in the, in the 60s and grew up in the 70s joey and i just looked at uh at woodstock we're we just stopped in woodstock the other day and uh thinking about settling down there <laughs> no. 
Um, we actually did look at properties up there, but no, we, we, we're, it'll be a while till we're settling down upstate. We're, we're going to stay on the island for a little while. God bless you. Life's good here. <laughs> All right, Kel. Um, any like kind of final words of wisdom, life lessons, anything you want to leave people with before you go? Um, I do. You know, surround yourself with the people that inspire you and that you aspire to be. You'd be surprised with how much you can learn from the people that you spend most of your time with. And those really are your biggest influencers. Um, but at the same time, don't, don't belittle your own thought process. Make a, a stand of your own. Don't be afraid to express your own ideas. Be on your own path. Don't follow what other people are doing just because that's what they're doing. Learn from them, learn from their experiences, but turn it into your own. Um, don't be reliant on anybody else. Be reliant on yourself, trust your gut, trust yourself, love yourself, and all will be good. I love it. I love all of that. You exist exactly as you are for a reason do what lights you up inside and you will inspire others. 100%. Agreed. Awesome. 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 Um, Kelly, where can they find you? Where can my friends find you? Um, yeah, on Instagram, I'm kelly.rose13. I'm not nearly as inspirational and motivational as you, but if you want to follow me, go for it. All right. I love you guys. Um, Kelly, thank you so much. This was so fun. Give Scott and Maverick a hug and a kiss from me and Joey. We miss you guys, and I can't wait to see you very soon. Miss you too. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find me on Instagram at Liz Without a Pillow. If you loved what you listened to or know somebody that would, please share it. Screenshot the episode in the podcast app, share it to your Instagram story, and tag me. If you'd like to lend your personal support, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be so grateful. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. See you then.